God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Ciao. I'm recording my podcast. I'm sorry. No, no. Is it an emergency? I'm like on Facebook Live and I'm recording right now. Child, 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 what do you do when you have an office and your children still come in here? Child, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, because I know the fellas listen. Child, do you know what time it is? It is woman evolved time in the sanctuary. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I've been waiting on this? Say, neighbor, I don't know about you, but now is the time for my breakthrough, huh? Hmm? Listen, I don't know about you, but I have been missing my Woman Evolve time, and I am so glad that we are back spending time with one another in the good year of our Lord 2019. What it be like 2019? What is happening all year? I have not talked to you all year. What is your life about? Have you been living your best life? Are people getting on your nerves? What can we do to make the world a better place together? That's what I want to know. Listen, I have not been joined by myself, but rather with my co-hosts from literally all over the world. They are logging in from everywhere. Sharonda Lee is logging in. Julia Atkins says she's been back in the gym as of yesterday, and sis is sore. I went to Orange Theory yesterday for the first time in too long. It's probably been three months since I went to Orange Theory, and I went yesterday, and and wow, I still don't like it. It's effective. It works. But let me tell you, I just don't like it yet. Um, I am in my office. Come on, delegation. I am in my office. And I'm just trying to figure out the best way for me to make sure that you guys can see me so that I can make sure that I live my best life at all times and that you can see me at all times, okay? So I'm set up in my office. This is my first time recording, so bear with me as I get my life together. Um, Las Vegas is in the building. Uh, Whittier, California is in the building. Jayla Groom is in the building. Jackson, Florida is in the building. I'm turning the camera up and down. It's fine. It's fine. It ain't no problem. I'm going to take you guys on a tour of my office um, sometime when I get finished, okay, when there aren't boxes everywhere. Let's see. Regina says, Zach's blackened chicken salad for dinner. Very nice. Uh, Janitha says, my eyebrows are on fleek, girl. They're microbladed. We've talked about that on one of the other podcasts. Do you see? I'm wiggling my eyebrows. So you can see how fleeky they are. Um, Adrian says, that's a better view. I got it together. Okay, DJ said, turn that camera back. Child, they getting on me already. Okay, Chelsea said, we missed you in Santa Monica, Houston, Texas. Is What is going on in your world? What are you guys deciding to do for 2019? Do you have resolutions? 
What are some of your goals for 2019? Let me speak for me and my house. For me and my house in 2019, I really don't see myself um, creating a list of resolutions. If you listen to a message I preached at the Potter's House at 1LA in Denver on December 30th, it's called The Sequel. And you can go on to the Potter's House at Los Angeles podcast to hear it. And it's really basically losing out of my mind this idea of new year, new me, but rather perfecting me this year. And so this is the sequel to 2018. And so my goal is to just mind my business, moisturize my edges, um, drink my water, go to Orange Theory when the Lord moves and not when the Lord does not move in that direction. And that's it. I mean, I want to be more present in my life. I think that would be necessary. Um, to be more present, you know, and in the moment, I've tried to be more present with my fellow neighbors, okay, in my community. Those of you who listen to the podcast know that last year we went through an evacuation and we had so many things happen in our little community. And so I have tried to be intentional about not just seeing the register or the cashier register and just minding my business, but like making eye contact. How are you? Which those of you who know me know that this is a bit of a stretch for me because I like to walk through the store with my headphones on, minding my business. And so now I'm just trying to live outside of my outside of my circle and be a little bit more outgoing. What about you? Ariel says, I'm trying to make my bed every morning. Child, why is it a struggle? I, My husband has me reading a book called Atomic Habits. And that's one of the things that he talks about is making your bed every morning and how it just starts your day off with a little bit more order and structure. My husband and I don't wake up at the same time. So unless I make that bed up with him in it, I'm not going to be able to do that. I tell you one thing I have decided to do, though, is to uh, take 10 minutes in the morning, just 10 minutes, and to really intentionally meditate. A lot of times I find myself praying in the car or like taking a moment here and there to kind of center myself, but to really start my day off centering. I did it. I have been doing it today. I woke up late. And so your girl woke up struggling, trying to get make, make sure my wig was on the right way. So how about that? To Carrie Jackson says, I'm doing Orange Theory this year. How is it? What is it doing to your life? Eve says, as messy as I am, I'm serious about making my bed. Is that right? Kimberly Mitchell's like me. She says, I used headphones to avoid extra conversation. Oh, oh, let me tell let me tell y'all something about SJR. I am the worst at small talk. Now, if you come up to me and like you're like, girl, your wig is slayed. Where did you get it from? I will take it off and look at the tag and tell you where you can get the wig from. But like small talk is just not my thing. So I am really awkward in social settings. My husband could talk to anybody. He could talk to paint on the wall. I love going places with him because he can just lead the way. But me, I am like, oh, at parties and stuff where you're supposed to like mingle. I am bound to be on my phone or minding my business. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me and why I do that, but it's my truth. Okay. Pauline says, did 15 minutes of meditation majority of last year makes a huge difference. I can already sense how it has made a difference in just the energy that I bring into the world. 
Tanisha says, how much is Orange Theory in this season? Chalet depends on what level. Now, I'm going to tell you, it seems that the, it costs differently in different cities, okay? So I don't want to speak on that, which I do not know, and then have you out here rolling your eyes at me when you realize how much it actually is, okay? I don't know what it is. I know in most places, you can try first class free, and then from there, you can decide. Um, part of the way I reason it with myself is if I cut back on some of the things I should not be eating and doing then I can afford to take care of the things that I need to be doing, which is going to that gym. Because if I don't go to that gym, I'm not going to do nothing. And and it's sad, really. I could go on a walk for 30 minutes. There's plenty of ways to stay fit without going to Orange Theory. But for some reason, I haven't mastered those. That's me. That's my life. What about your life? Uh, Takara says, Orange Theory is so much harder than I thought, and it's expensive. But I think I got Orange Theory. Y'all think I'm playing? Orange Theory is hard. Okay, and anybody can get it. There is no discrimination at Orange Theory. It'd be like big, buff, fit people in there and little old grandmas just as wrecked and undone as I am. Orange Theory is a struggle, and then they have the audacity to charge you that much for the struggle, but it's only because they know this is going to work. If you can keep them french fries out your mouth and do what you're supposed to do, this is going to work. All right. So, all right, let me see. Um, Melissa wants to know, is Night in the Wild coming to California? Night in the Wild is likely going to go to Northern Cal in the fall. I'm still trying to work out Los Angeles. So, um, yes, that's my answer to that. Joy White says, I started working out with the husband, active duty Navy guy, and I'm not loving it. Let me tell you another thing I struggle with. I don't necessarily... Working out with my husband is hard. Um, I love him so much. Um, I am submitted to him in every area of my life. Um, I don't, it's something about, I don't know. He, I don't know. I don't know about it. Um, so I just want to give you a big congratulations for working out with your husband because that is, I don't. My husband likes to run. He would be going up the hill. He's like, you want to run up this one? No, no, I don't. I don't want to. I want to work out at my own pace. And he wants to work out at his pace. And sometimes those paces need to be unpaced. Amen. Janelle says, I had a membership for my gym for six months and haven't used it in four months. They take money out every month. Lord help me, child. You're going to have to cancel that, okay? Tell them to get their life together. All right, Listen. That's all my small talk, I think. Is there anything else I need to update you all on? Night in the Wild is happening. Woman Evolve is going on tour. We're going to take this Woman Evolve, basically Night in the Wild. You guys want to know what it is. It's going to be like the podcast. It's going to be like a live recording of the podcast. We'll rescue some people. We'll do Hail Marys. And instead of a snack, your girl is going to take a text and preach for you. Okay. So how about that? Um, Night in the Wild is going to be in Charlotte, Memphis. Detroit, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, and Atlanta. I think I named all of the cities. You can find out more information at tour.womanevolve.com. I think a lot of them are close to selling out. So let me tell you, get your life. Karen wants to know that New York City date is necessary. Let me tell you, I'm working on New York City. New York City is suspensive, okay? And I'm just trying to find an affordable place for us to come in New York City that will also hold all of the saints because the saints want us to come to the New York City. All right, y'all. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Do y'all have y'all's life jackets? 
Where is the helicopter and the private jet? Listen, I could not wait. Oh, hold on. They want to update on Mackenzie. Mackenzie is living her best life. She's in gymnastics. She has earned her extracurricular activities. She's in gymnastics. She is taking a hip-hop dance class. Um, Ella is also taking a ballet and tap class. And she's just living her life, child. She um, ain't kicked nobody in their private areas lately. She has been respectful to all those who come towards her. And we just pray that God would continue to operate in her life in that area. Okay, so yes, how about that? Okay, Rescue Eve. Do you guys know what Rescue Eve is? Rescue Eve is a time and hour show where we look at the headlines and what's happening in the news. And we decide instead of uh, criticizing people or not showing empathy that we will do all that we can to try and see things from a different perspective. Uh, We call this rescuing Eve because Eve in the Bible ate from the fruit and a lot of people have dragged her for that. I'm guilty, I'm one of them. But I have a newfound perspective and a newfound appreciation for Eve because I realized had Eve not eaten from that fruit that we would not have my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I appreciate her um, and I do not condemn her, though, you know, obviously I do wish she would have made a different choice sometimes, but that's all right. I forget those things that are behind. Amen. All right. So Rescue Eve. Listen, um, I think that it would be disingenuine if I did not acknowledge the giant rescue in the room. As a matter of fact, this rescue is so giant that I don't think I have room for any other rescues but this one. And what I'm going to say is this. um, I watched Surviving R. Kelly. I watched two episodes of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. If you guys want to spoil it, you can for me. It doesn't. I think I got the gist. Um, Let me tell you, I'm not going to try and rescue R. Kelly because I know that he was a victim and he is perpetuating that and hurt people, hurt people. I know all of those things, but I don't have either the time or emotional ability nor stability to endeavor rescuing him. Um, What I do want to say is this. Andrea Kelly has been being dragged lately. That is his wife, who is um, in the documentary and sharing her interactions with Mr. Kelly. I want to call him something else. Um, I just... Anywho, she's being dragged because people are, you know, saying, like, how did you stay with him that long and all of this? And, you know, you should have known better and you should have done better. And and this this is what I want to say. Um, first of all, I think it's a little unfair to her. Now, um, I want to see if I can get the Woman Evolved delegation to help me. Um, a lot of people are maybe saying that she is doing this for publicity or whatever. I don't know. No one knows a man's heart, okay, but the Lord. Um, if I would endeavor to just take a journey on some of the reasons why she may have become vocal lately because of her abuse, I would endeavor to say that um, part of the reason why she probably has not become vocal about it in the past is because that is generally what happens to us all when we find our 
ourselves in toxic relationships, that the poison is so thick within us that we don't have the ability to even decipher what's what's toxic and what's healthy any longer. And um, can I just say, though, that like greater than what happened with her while watching the podcast, um, while watch podcast, you see how the see because I'm trying to trade, I'm trying to navigate this thing. Um, Kimberly says, if you didn't live live through the abuse, you don't know how it is. I waited 30 years myself. I am a survivor of physical, emotional, and sexual. That's okay. So there we there we have it. Um, I have not been in a physical abusive relationship. Um, I haven't been in a sexually abusive relationship. I've been in some tricky situations before. Um, certainly emotionally abusive. And you just, you know better, but you also don't feel like you have the strength to leave. There's just a lot of reasons why someone stays. But if it's okay, I would like to have a deeper conversation about surviving R. Kelly and what I learned about myself when watching this documentary. Um, I didn't, I can't say that everything I saw in the documentary was the first time that I had heard of anything regarding R. Kelly. I grew up in the 90s. And having grown up in the 90s, one of the things that was just the soundtrack of my life and R&B at the time is R. Kelly. It was just a part of what was playing on the radio. It's what was on MTV. And what I realized when watching the documentary is how much listening to the hypersexual nature of those songs contributed to my desire, awareness, and awakening of perhaps my own identity as a young girl. And I think that part of the reason when I was watching it that I was just like, I felt something like it was more than just me being on the outside looking in at something. I really felt like in some way connected to the stories of these people. And I kept trying to dig within myself to figure out why I felt the way that I did. And I I think I'm going to try and express it the best way that I can, why I think I ended up feeling the way that I did. But ultimately, when I was listening to that music growing up, a part of me felt like I was listening to grown folks music because it was so sexual and it was so raw. And like it was like I was sneaking to listen to it, right? And so in the process of me like sneaking and listening to this music, you know, what I know now is like, it's not just that that music, that music, he was targeting that music to young girls like me at that age, you know, and, and that was difficult for me to wrap my mind around because all of a sudden, like, we're not just listening to songs that weren't really intended for you at your young age, but now we're listening to songs that were inspired by your my girls your age and and that was like so traumatic for me to wrap my mind around and I think the other thing that just made it extremely problematic for me is that I wondered within myself and this is something that I I want you guys to think of if the music we were ingesting at the time 
was perverted in nature. Can we then trust that we have a healthy perspective on relationships and sexuality if the inspiration or part of what molded that time in our life came from something that was perverted? This is what, like... We have to like, I don't know. I just feel like we have to take sincere, genuine looks within ourselves to determine how much of the poison that we willingly and enjoyed eating has now become a part of our standards in relationship and even our sexuality. So like, I think that a lot of times in church, we don't talk about celibacy the way that we should. I think that we make it all about the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, and that's great, but the Bible says and filling on your booty are competing with one another. And so we have to have a deeper conversation about what sexuality is. And I am not sure that we can allow music like that, which was put out from R. Kelly to define what we think is sexually right and wrong. And then discover 20 years later that all that we were eating is right or wrong was actually perverted in nature. And then go into our marriages or go into celibacy thinking that we have the right perspective on what sex is. And I think we have a responsibility to make to reclaim our sexuality. This sounds, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. I hope I'm doing it the right way. To reclaim our sexual identities from the likes of bump and grind and filling on your booty and age ain't nothing but a number and to instead restore God's original intention for what sex is meant to be. And that I'm not talking about boring missionary. I'm not even talking about the enjoy. Like, I think that that's such a low level conversation about like, oh, what positions can we do? And I like, I'm not even, that's a low level conversation compared to what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is understanding the powerful dynamic of two people coming together. If you don't understand the power of two people coming together, mess around and give it up to the wrong person and see if you don't be out here tweaking and losing your mind. Sex has power. And the person who we have allowed to define our sexuality has turned out to be a predator and a pervert like never before. And we can't just look at that and say that's wrong without taking a look within ourselves and say, how much of that got into me? And am I seeing sex properly? And am I understanding my body properly? And I think that we have to consider, we have to consider not just reclaiming our sexuality, but restoring the honor and the value to our own bodies, because it is very clear. And I'm guilty. Like I'm not, I'm not the pot calling the kettle black. Okay. Like I am just, or I don't know what I meant to say there. What I'm saying is this is like, I'm not trying to throw stones living in a glass house. I am guilty of being a part of a generation. Listen, you know, I had my child as a teenager. I was a part of the culture. I wanted to act out the things that I was listening to. And I gave my sexuality away to music, really, that inspired me in such a way that I lost myself in the purpose. And then I had to work so, so, so hard 
hard to find my value and to find my worth and to preserve myself and wait for the person who God placed on this earth for me to be with in order for us to engage in the act of sex, which is worship to God and to be okay with that. But I lost it along the way. And I just think that it would be so crazy for us to not realize that that poison that we're pointing out is wrong has gotten into us in some capacity. I don't know if I said that right, but that's how I felt. I was like, just, I don't know. I was not victimized by R. Kelly, so I can't say that I was, but I was victimized by the culture of sex in the 90s. You know, maybe that culture existed in other communities, um, but for me in the 90s, as a young girl growing up, who whose body and whose worth was defined by music, um, I just felt robbed. I just felt like, I just felt like, dang, I fell for it. Like, and if I, and I was young and insecure and trying to figure out who I was. Okay, so I want to get into Facebook Live because I've been like just rambling and I'm just wondering what everyone thinks about this. Karen says, so now the question is, how do we detox that out of us? Because you write the culture of sex in the 90s that's got into us is a real live thing. I think the first thing that we have to do is identify the fact that I have I have ingested poison that has tainted my ability to perceive what is good or evil in sexuality. Like maybe evil is too heavy of a word for you, but good um, and healthy. What is a good and healthy perspective on sex? I can't trust what I currently know as that perspective because it was shaped by someone who's literally a pervert. And I think once we identify that, we do have a responsibility to be celibate, you know, within, if you're single, to be celibate and to say to yourself, I cannot trust that I can make the right decisions about sex right now because I have ingested a poison that has taught me to give myself away cheaply. And then I think it goes back to identity. I think that us giving up sex, us giving up our bodies comes down to self-worth and self-value. And I think we have to restore the value that we place on our bodies and on our identity as women. And I think once we come to a place where we see ourselves as valuable again, where we see confidence is an inside job, where we see ourselves as whole, not needing anything from a man, no validation from a man, then I think from there, we're in a healthier place to begin to say, I don't want to give it up because I love me so much that I can't afford to waste myself on someone who may not see it the same way. And then we have to ask God to continue to work on men because men have to also come to this realization so that when you do partner with someone, you have the ability to have the same perspective on sex. My husband and I had the same perspective on sex. Sex is a powerful drug. Sex is probably the most powerful drug that there is. And nine times out of 10, if you are engaging in sex outside of men, not even nine times out of 10, 10 out of 10, if you are engaging with sex with someone who was other than the person God placed on the placed on this earth for you to live your life with, then you are going to end up having some level of poison on the inside of you. And I just think we have to be more responsible.
I do. Catherine says, we use our bodies as currency to buy a person's love, loyalty, attention, and et cetera. Angela says, in 2018, I regained my self-worth. You had a whole lot to do with that, Sarah. Wow. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Listen, I just am trying to share what I am learning. Chantel Williams says, it's deeper than R. Kelly, but I believe God is allowing this situation because it needs to be talked about in the households. Most certainly. Most certainly, because if we don't talk about it, then the culture is going to define it for us. Ashley again says, exactly. We raise our girls to be wise, but not our boys. I think that like even I think we should raise our girls to be women. Like one of the things that I am intent on raising, you know, my girls to be are like strong women who can make it like I don't want to raise her to what certainly I am a wife and I am demonstrating to her how to be you know, a wife in our everyday life. But I also want to make sure that she has a sense of wholeness within herself so that she's able to choose accordingly. Nikki Williams says, before I was even active, I was reciting lyrics on the low. That music shaped so much of my high school years and decisions. I'm saying, Nikki, girl, that's what I'm saying. I was sitting like, this is the first time because like, I don't listen to R. Kelly anymore because he's been a problem for a long time. But this was the first time in watching this documentary where I looked back over my life and realized how me reciting those lyrics and dancing to those music and partying to that music played a role in the decisions that I made as a young woman. And that's why what he's doing is so toxic and dangerous is because you do take a young girl who may have a body that is becoming womanly, but still has the mind of a child. You take someone who is that impressionable and you place this opportunity in front of her and then the decision is supposed to be on her not to do it. So many of us are insecure and unsure of ourselves at that age that if given the opportunity to have someone validate you in the celebrity nature of who he is, like, I don't think that a lot of women will... I know some women who would have definitely said no, but I think the reality is that a lot of us were so broken and so insecure that that would have been challenging. And I couldn't help but feel like, like I fell for the okie doke. Candace Owen says, I couldn't even watch it. And I did use to listen to his music, but God, yeah. Missy says, hey, child, didn't know we were back. Yes, child, we back. Jen Odom says, in the black community, we keep so hush-hush about the sexual abuse going on in our own family and look past it. So, of course, we looked past his mess for years. It's sad. Here's one of the things I also wanted to say. And, you know, I get to speak to a lot of different audiences. And one of the things that I've learned is it's not just the black community where people are quiet about sexual abuse. But I think the reality is, like, people don't feel equipped to handle the brokenness that comes with sexual abuse. But what we have to realize is just because we don't feel equipped to handle it doesn't mean that it's going anywhere. That brokenness stays buried within our family. It repeats itself within our family and your silence isn't helping anything. And so you might have to have a conversation that makes you feel uncomfortable. You might have to have a conversation that you are not equipped to handle, but it is better to open up the lines of communication than to allow a person to feel so isolated that they end up playing those things out in another area of your life. Lakeisha says, in the 90s, R. Kelly wasn't the only artist making music like that. It was artists way before him. That's okay. You bring up a very legitimate point. Silk, 
112. Like, you know, and I'm not trying to drag nobody. I'm just saying the music in that time, like I, it just, all it did was create a desire for sex. And even greater than the conversation we're having about how our sexual identity has been shaped by music that we now realize literally had perversion in it. But like, it's demonic. Oh, she said that on a podcast, didn't even take a text. It is demonic that we can be willingly ingesting the music of a predator and a pedophile like for years and years and years and not recognize it. That just they say that um, Beelzebub, Lucifer, Satan himself was a fallen angel, but that he was like the head angel in charge of music. The power of music. Yo, the power of music the power of music to have you sitting up. I know, listen, the power of music to have you sitting up doing things that you would not otherwise do cannot be denied. And we have to, we have to be more conscious and more communicative about talking about it. Hannah says, I appreciate this young woman stepping up to engage in a conversation about this issue. Uh, she said, I'd only add that it wasn't just the 90s. It was before then. It was also in the 60s, the 70s, and 80s. She's right that sex is a drug. So, yeah, she's got this is a, a good comment. It is so true, though. I mean, you know, I can only speak for the 90s because, you know, I'm an 80s baby. I was born in the 80s, raised in the 90s. So I can only speak about my experience. I'm sure. I mean, Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. I'm sure that that music was I'm sure that music throughout time has been a reflection of things that aren't always healthy for us, you know, but whatever generation you were raised in, whatever culture you were raised in, I think that we have to be willing to look within ourselves and to decipher what is poison and what is not and to make a decision that will allow that to die, that poison to die within us. Um, So if we remove... If we remove this notion that sex is just about like feeling good and freaking somebody down, let's have a higher level conversation like literally what is the intention of sex? When God created man and woman, he created them in his image. That means it took a man and a woman to become a reflection of God. That doesn't necessarily mean that they became a reflection of God, that every man and woman have to find one another to become a reflection of God. But it does mean that man has the ability to become a reflection of God and woman has the ability to to become a reflection of God independently. When you take those two reflections of God and you bring them together, they become the ultimate reflection of God. So when I had part of the reason why sex is worship is because it is the time in which we are completely aligned with God's image on the earth. That is what he said. Let us make man and woman in our own image. When man and woman come together, they are in the fullness of the image of God. And so, yes, there's all kinds of ancillary benefits to it. Yes, it can be pleasurable. Yes, it can be fun. But it is the ultimate spiritual connection. And when we see it that way, if I would have seen it that way when I was a teenager, I wouldn't have given it up so easily because I would have realized like, honey, first of all, you ain't even a reflection of God. I haven't messed around and put my reflection with your reflection and can't see nothing. Okay. Because that is the truth. All right. 
Some of us have had sex with people who could not be a reflection of God if God was just giving them a picture and standing in front of them right in the flesh. And if I honor who I am in God and I honor my identity and I honor what I represent on the earth, then I will be more intentional about who I connect with. It feels like I am like just treading on in deep waters, but I just want to say that this is my thoughts, okay? Um Sounds like Yema, I don't I want to say her name right, child. Yema. The intention of sex was to be a physical representation of our union with God. The orgasm is the ecstasy we can expect to experience in our union with God. In his presence there is fullness of child. All right, child. Listen now. This podcast is gonna have to we gonna have to put an R on this one. Don't listen in front of the children with this one. Sheba says, Yes, music is powerful because the tongue is powerful, is a powerful thing. So we get fed all of this toxic and people act on it and believe it and start to live it. I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness. Um so that's how I felt about surviving R. Kelly. You know, I'm less opinionated about who should be and who shouldn't be, although I don't think we should be dragging Andrea Kelly. We gonna rescue her. Because um, we don't, just we just gonna mind our business on that. But I think the greater conversation that should be having, obviously he needs to be under the jail. Obviously there are all these types of things. You know, I don't want to question the parents and the motives. Like, because to me that feels like, making a bad situation worse. But I do think that one of the things that I can take away from watching that documentary is to have conversations uh, within myself and to those who are in my sphere of influence regarding the implications of us ingesting the type of music that would allow for us to be blinded to that which is good and that which is not good or evil. I was... um preaching Thursday night in Los Angeles, and I was preaching about Solomon and how he had got God to have a wise and understanding heart. And I think at the end of the day, whatever we're listening to, whatever we're watching, we have to be willing to take it through the filter of a wise and understanding heart. And we have to be willing to ask ourselves, like, is this going to make me wiser, more sexual, more broken, And am I okay with that? And when we're able to do that consistently in everything that we do and every thought that we have, right? Because we are going to have all types of thoughts that spring up, but we have to be willing to take that thought and filter it through the wise and understanding heart that is available to everyone who asks for one and say, does this thought edify me? Or does this thought create more brokenness within me? Oh, that's it. Sandra says, why do you always shame the victim? These young girls are still children. I agree. Okay, let's talk about it. Catherine says, um, she's responding to Marissa Moore. So, child, she said, I agree. It was drilled into me to be a, to, I don't know, because to care, I, to be careful what I watch and listen to. You know, Siri be out here getting folks. Um, Crystal says, you know who we, who really needs a rescue are those girls that are still living with him and are being abused by most certainly Um, and all we can do is continue to pray and to create an environment that gives them something healthy to come 
come to when they leave because us shaming them, when you ask someone, why would you say, why would you say, it doesn't make them want to run into your open arms because the fear is that I'm going to go from the abuse of this household to the condemnation of another household. And this is a word for people who are watching their friends struggle or watching their children struggle in toxic relationships. Like we have to create an environment that says, I love you and we're going to get through this and to truly honestly believe that love is going to be the answer. So we cannot say to the victims, why would you stay and what is wrong with you? Because they might as well stay with the poison they do know than to take in a different type of poison. And so to be willing to say like, listen, I want better for you. If you're not there yet, I understand. Just know that when you are, you've got somewhere to go. I think that would be responsible. But Holly says, girl, you preaching, still not rescuing the wife though, child. (laughs) You got to love the delegation. The delegation will give it to you. Oh, so raw. Okay. Um, Let's see. Victoria says, this is why we sit down and pray with our kids and we don't listen to music while they are in the car. Let me tell you, I keep a worship playlist on heavy rotation in my car. First of all, what fixed me more than anything is when Mackenzie started reciting some of the music and I was like, child, you can never. And Ella, I mean, they're impressionable. Just because you know the difference doesn't mean that the kids are going to know the difference. And so we do have to make sure that we're putting lots of word, lots of um, revelation and lots of wisdom down on the inside of them. And we also can't just um, depend on that to be the only thing. Like my parents, let me tell you, can I tell you how my mama gave me the sex talk? My mother told me, uh, we was watching The Nutty Professor and, you know, um, <laughs> the mom on Nutty Professor talks about relations. And my mother was like, do y'all know what relations are? And we were like, yeah, we think so. You know, it's sex or whatever. And she was like, okay. Like, I'm pretty sure that that was the extent of our sex conversation. Um, and I hope to expand upon that because I think that I could have used just a conversation about, um, you know, what your body means. Like we have all of these sex books that explain to us the practical aspects of sex, but I think having a genuine conversation about the spiritual nature of sex, my husband actually preached a message called sexual wholeness. And I think that if you are struggling or want more clarity on what sex is and the power of it, you should definitely check out that message. But, you know, I think that expressing your own sexual brokenness to your friends or children and then um, really helping them to understand that they have the ability to make a different choice and used to have the ability to make a different choice. Oh, my husband is on. He says, such an important conversation. Hey, baby. Um, My husband has really helped me a lot because he has helped us have some sex conversations with the kids, drawing pictures and explaining things. And I'm not going to tell you, I get a little hot underneath the collar. You know, I was a little sweaty, but I realized in the moment, as uncomfortable as I was, if we didn't do it, we were going to let the kids on the playground or we were going to let music do it. So... Yes. Chelsea says, I was singing Grace Jones, Pull Up to My Bumper Baby, and my mama whooped my butt. I didn't know what I was singing. I was under 10 years old. But see how sex is already a part of your what you're ingesting before you even know what it is. So... 
child, talk about sex. I just talked about sex on this podcast. And yes, I was uncomfortable. And yes, I know somebody's going to drag me. But I just did it because I could not sit back and watch that documentary without saying to myself, self, some of that had to get into you. And you got to figure out how much of it is in you. And you got to make sure you identify and cast that thing on out, okay? Because in this house, in this temple, in this body, we only have room for what God defines as everything, okay? Including sex. And I just want to be in alignment. Okay. Ashley says, I have to watch all six. I'm going to do what I can. I I struggled watching the ones that I did watch. Um, I was just so disappointed, just so disappointed. I mean, I can't even begin to express. That's my rescue. Do you guys have any more comments on this? If you're listening to the podcast, come on by at Woman Evolve on Instagram or Facebook. Let us know what you think about this because we want to hear your thoughts, your perspectives. I hate messing up people's names, but I'm going to take a stab. Vania, Vanya. Vanya, that Vanya feels good, says, sis, how do I talk to my 15-year-old sister because she is dead set on having sex soon? And I just, first of all, let her watch Surviving R. Kelly, then let her listen to this podcast. And then, see, sometimes we don't know how to have these conversations, and that's fair. My suggestion is to let someone start the conversation for you. I think Red Table Talk, I can't. I I think they talk about sex on there. I don't know what they're saying. It's really not about whether or not you agree full-heartedly with what someone is saying about sex, but sometimes you need a springboard so that you can insert what is right. Sit down and watch something together if you're not comfortable, and then from that point, begin to have a conversation with your children, okay? That's the, or your sister. That's my suggestion is let someone start the conversation for you. I'm out here struggling. OK, out here struggling. Water all in my lungs, slapping for water, doggy paddling all out in the middle of the ocean, trying to be a pastor and myself and have a real conversation about sex. But here we are dog paddling out here together, child, because somebody got to say something about this. Uh, Danielle says, give the details. Don't go into it alone. Yahari says, what's the earliest you think the conversation should happen? Whew. Well, I think that this is where really knowing your children and being present in their life comes into play. Um, You have to watch what your children are talking about and what they're ingesting and then be able to tell, you know, they're maturing a bit quickly. They're exposed to something on the playground. I want to jump the curve. I can tell you that one of our children, the first time they ever heard sex was on the playground. S-E-X came home, Googled it it on the computer, found a lot of different images. And then from there, we had to have the sex talk. So you may not always get there before they learn about it, but you can certainly, like, I think in my household, Growing up, I would have got a whooping for Googling it, and that would have been the whole conversation. But instead, to really talk about, like, where did you hear this from? What were they talking about? Because you can't, you cannot control who teaches your children in the, today's culture and society. I'm a, like a lot of you all. I work. I'm trying to balance my personal life with my professional life, and I wish that I could be the one and only teacher. That's what makes having older children so scary, is that you realize, like, from the time that they're a baby, you're pretty much the only influence in their life. The older they get, whether they're 9, 10, 11, 20, 23, they get to be exposed to different teachers throughout this world. But at the 
end of the day, because you are their parent, the lesson that you consistently instill will outweigh any message that any substitute teacher tries to drop in along the way. And so you have to choose, what am I consistently going to instill in my children so that I have the opportunity to lay a great foundation for who they are going to be in the world? And I have to know that my lessons are going to have to stand up against the lessons of the world, the lessons of the culture, the lessons of the church. I'm going to have to make my lessons stand up against that. And I want to make sure that I've got a very convincing argument and a very comprehensive lesson plan, even if that means bearing my own scars, bearing my own wounds so that they can become better, because I don't want to be one of those people who has a surface conversation when Google is ready to give them layers and dimensions of what they're asking me about. Now, that's what I said. Quatishi says, oh, my child went to YMCA for the summer and came back twerking. You better start these conversations. I mean, you better. Ariel says, I went to high school with a lot of girls involved with R. Kelly. I agree that the conversation needs to happen because the conversation was never had. And what those girls needed was not given because of the way parents keep things out of sight and mind. If I don't see it, it's not happening. I have friends who were extremely active and parents would deny it even when told by the teachers. Yeah. You got to, we just got to. We got to know. Um, we have to know what we're up against and we have to have a plan against it. Because the same people who are sitting up like, oh, my goodness, you know, how could this happen? Aren't going home and having conversations with their children like we my husband and watch. My husband and I watched episode one and two, and we were kind of on the fence about whether or not we were going to watch the rest of it. But when our older children, who are adults, were watching it, we were like, we're going to have to watch the rest of it because if they're going to be watching it, we need to know what they're watching so that we can have these types of conversations. And then ask simple questions like, what did you think about that? How did that make you feel? Do you know anybody like that? Like have, maybe your child isn't the one who ends up becoming a victim. Maybe they're the friend of someone who is currently being victimized. You know, so that gives you awareness. Like this is happening within their circle. And right now my child is being protected. Let me give them some more tools on how to protect themselves. It doesn't have to be your child for you to be concerned. If your child is in the atmosphere and in the realm of it, then we have to do something about it. Nika says, right. Okay. Quatisha says, yes, let them dictate the flow of the conversation. That's right. We don't need y'all grabbing y'all's text, getting y'all's journal, and lining up a whole lot of T.D. Jake's messages. The most important part of the conversation when you have these sex talks is not what you say, but what they say in response. And we do have to be willing to let them speak, okay? Um. Yes. Um, Joyce King has a different take on it. She says she stands firm that a person is innocent until proven guilty in the court of law, not public opinion. When I see R. Kelly accused and proven guilty in a court of law, then I will consider him guilty. Just because someone is accused of a crime doesn't mean the person is guilty. Yes, I believe there is a problem, but there's a lot of culpability. The media is hyped up about Kelly, but what about the predators and people's own families? Joyce, I understand what you're saying. And that is your right to your opinion. I tried to have a greater conversation that had less to do with his innocence or guilt and more to do with the reality of the music that we listened to during that time and how it has adversely affected some of us into making decisions that we had to fix years later. Um, 
that, but that is a, a very prevalent, a prevalent opinion that Joyce has shared. Whether we agree or disagree, we have to at least create a respectable uh, place and form for conversation. Um, all right. Amen. I had to do that. Okay. All right. I have survived all of that that I can survive. I I, I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your opinions. Make sure that you guys still tag me. And let's just figure this thing out together. Let's come to a place where we understand or at least attempt to understand together. Having said that, I want to move on to the Hail Mary segment of the show because that's where I believe we're going to get our good work. Okay. Um, Hail Mary. Hail Mary is a part of our show where we acknowledge someone who, someone or some people who are doing incredible things in the community, things that should make us all proud to be citizens of this great world, not just the U.S., but of this great world. Uh, it would be remiss of me if I did not take a moment to at least celebrate um, John Legend, who you know, regardless of whether you agree or disagree, use his platform to highlight something that is very um, important. And I thought that that was really dope. And so I definitely, coming off of that Surviving R. Kelly talk, want to take a minute to acknowledge the use of his platform to have a conversation, a greater conversation. In addition to that, Kimberly, yes. Kimberly Mitchell said, yes, please, LOL. I need a little more light talk. Okay, y'all want to have light talk? Okay, let me tell y'all who I was going to rescue but didn't feel like we needed to. Okay, and then we're going to move on. Okay, child, listen. Um, people want to drag TSA employee, uh, employees for not going to work when they're not getting paid. And all I want to say is this. Um, the way my bills are set, what are we going to do about these bills? Can someone tell me, please, TSA, and those of you who want people to go to work when they're not getting paid, what am I going to do about these bills? Because these bills need a paycheck. The only way that I would end up giving somebody, anybody, okay, some some work when I am not ha getting paid is if someone is going to call that electric company and they're going to keep these lights on, okay? Because if they're not going to keep these lights on and they're not going to keep this water running and I'm not going to have food in my belly, I have, like, I have to work. Like, daycare says that I have to pay them. Now, unless y'all going to give me a letter, or, this is what I want to know. Is the federal government giving out letters saying this is an excused late payment? You know how when you go to school and you have excused absences, like this one don't count because you had a doctor's appointment? When it's time to pay these bills, am I going to get some type of form that tells me I am excused from paying this bill? Because otherwise, I'm going to need to get a job so somewhere, somewhere. Sophony says that's so unfair, especially with living paycheck to paycheck. Exactly. Sharon says TSA will have to drive for Uber until they get their checks back started. And to tell me to have the audacity to tell me that I need to still keep be, keep coming to work. I can't imagine it. I I have so many bills. I, first of all, most of the time, for those of us who know about paying bills, when I get finished paying bills, I barely got enough money to breathe air after I finish paying bills. And you want to tell me that I am not going to get no income and I still got to breathe and live and pay bills? I can't imagine it. I don't even think so. And, you know, whether y'all get that wall or not is on y'all. But what I do know is that I'm going to have to get this check. Okay? 
one way or another way. I'm sorry about you. Line's going to be long at the airports and everything, but I'm going to have something to eat. And I think it's rude to think that somebody needs to come to work and not get paid. But maybe I'm missing something. But I'm I'm rescuing them, okay? Jakeitha, she's got it. She says, close your eyes. Close your eyes and say it together. I can't imagine it. I tried. I closed my eyes. I'm drawing a blank. Nothing is coming up. I can't imagine it. No, I'm not going. Crystal says we can rescue them all. They must be rescued. Stefani says that's why it's so important to save. That is why it's so important to save. But in the absence of saving, that's why it's important to hustle. Um, Shaka says I need my coins. Dominion Power is expecting my payment every, every month. Do you hear me? Um, Let's see. Crystal says they cannot guarantee they will receive back pay. (laughs) Bruh. Bruh, I I just don't understand. Monica says, I work for the IRS and I'm on vacation, sis, because three quarters of the IRS is not working and y'all, ne- y'all not getting y'all's tax re- refunds. Monica, first of all, if you work for the IRS and you are part of the delegation, what we want to know is why we pay taxes, because how can we be walking together unless we agree? Monica, you have identified yourself as the enemy. I mean, we love you and all, but sis, you got to tell me. DM me. We have questions. Daniela says, do these bills understand back pay? Do these bills understand back pay? I've tried to pay my bills late and they turned it off. They didn't understand back pay. And this is what I need to know is do they understand that I don't have it right now? And the que- more than likely, the answer is no. And so I just, I just... I just want to be honest about that. Kim says, I'm a government employee. We are okay in my division, but dot, dot, dot. We shall see. I know what we shall see mean. We shall see means she can't imagine it neither. We shall see means I can't imagine it. I know what that means. I speak that. I speak that language. I know exactly what that is. Sandra says, girl, get those tax refunds processed. Yeah. Monica, we, yeah, we want you to get off of the live and help us. But she says she's not working right now. I wish a government, oof, oof. To Carrie says, I wish I would not get my taxes, child. I'm trying to tell you. I'm telling y'all, y'all better watch out in D.C. Y'all better watch out in D.C. Because if the saints don't get these refunds, first of all, I, I no longer get a refund. And, you know, I guess, praise the Lord. Um, oh, but I remember a season. Oh, reminiscing for a moment. Let me take it back. Oh, February. I would pay that little extra just to have it direct deposited. And wow, claiming my children, I've never been more proud to be a parent. I know some of y'all get y'all's fix at kindergarten graduations and other of you get your fix at ballet and tap recital, but nothing made me look at my children with love and adoration like tax time because I know for sure that all of this that you have cost me throughout the year is about to come back to me in one fell swoop. I see shopping on the, not shopping, savings and investments on the horizon. Oh, blessed be the name. I can remember. Do you remember the joy of when you first got your um, first refund? I don't know where you guys are on the economic level, but do you remember do you remember how how great it felt when you logged in? Because you know you had to check your bank account a few times. Honey, have you ever gone onto the IRS uh, website to check the status of your refund? Y'all ain't never been broke for real. What y'all talking about? Have you ever been just checking the refund day after day, waiting for an update, and they messed around and told you that direct deposit hit? Then you had to go onto the bank to see, and chow. Oof. Oof. 
I can remember grocery shopping. What was the first thing you did? Can I ask y'all a real question? What is the first thing you did when you first got your tax refund? Yes, after you caught up on the bills or whatever, what is the first thing you did? Do you remember? I'm trying to remember some of the first things I did with that tax refund. My God, today. Um, I went shopping like um, the queen that I am. Um, Yeah, Target. I let Target have it. Uh, Oof. Not Walmart, honey, because I was no longer on the Walmart budget with this refund. I've moved on. To t- That's when you know you got your refund is when you hit up Target because I'm going to Target chat. Oh, Jessica said she bought me my first, bought her first car. Let me tell you something, Jessica. Tax refunds are for down payments on vehicles. Do you hear me? It's all about when I get my tax refund, I'm going to go down there and put that down payment on my car because I might have to pay a little extra because ratchet and credit and things happen to me, but I'm ready because I'm about to get that tax refund. Fun. That was a good one. Um, Jamie says, bought crab legs without a sale. Ooh, glory, glory, glory. I felt something sweep through this place. Do you hear me say something? She went and got them crab legs without a sale. Give me all of them. Yeah, you heard me. You know he's not on sale. I don't need a sale. I got my refund now, okay? Um, Quatisha says, my eyes have not seen a refund of that proportion. Child, you did. You had the wrong lady doing your taxes. I think it's, what's the statute of limitations on the tax? And then Monica is on here with the, I can't tell y'all who I would send y'all to to get your taxes done when I was still trying to find my way out of the jungle of life. But honey, it was a lady who would give me a tax refund and it would be a car and a um Target shopping spree, but God is faithful. Sand said, I'm done with you. Shopping spree and Red Lobster miss getting a refund. Don't you miss it? Don't you miss it? Now I just be glad if I don't know anything. Like, whew, made it through that. Okay. Listen, honey, getting tax refunds. So shout out to all of y'all who's still getting a tax refund. Slide us some change if you can. We would appreciate that. Courtney says, I'm sorry, the good bun. She went and got her hair done. She said, I got bundles when I got my refund. And I ain't even mad at you because them bundles, if you get the right ones, if you waited for your tax refund to get them bundles, then you got the ones that's going to last you day after day. And I want to applaud you for that. Okay, Um, Rossi says, when I start doing my own taxes, that's when I noticed an increase in my refunds. Bless God. Bless God. Jen says, this year she's paying off her trip to Europe. Come on, somebody. Reva says, which one, who can I carry? Listen, the delegation wants to be here to connect people who need one another to one another. And the question is, is there anyone out here who doesn't have anything to report but wants to be considered? I'm going to let y'all work that out in the comments, but I'm telling you, someone is willing to carry you in this season for a portion, okay? All right. Jocelyn said, I went and got my windows tinted. Oh, Tanisha says, happy to tithe. Come on, somebody. Now, now Tanisha is more saved than many of us because she, well, Tanisha, let me tell you, I wasn't paying my tithes back then. So I can't even lie and say, oh, yeah, I'm in after I paid my tithe. But Tanisha, you know you saved when you're paying tithes off your tax refund because the rest of us been trying to find a way to say, well, I technically already tithed on this income, so it don't count. But that's all right. Tanisha is real good and saved. Um... Yes, he says, made it somewhat through the jungle and now received no return. Ain't that something? They tell, oof. Mm. Ain't that something? When you make it through the jungle and then you don't get no refund. It's a word. Let me find a word in that somewhere. Um, In some seasons, you get refunds. And in other seasons, when you have an increase, you no longer get refunds, but you got an increase throughout the year. Is that word preaching? Is there any 
oil on there anywhere trying to find it. Um, maybe the grace is that God moved what would have been a refund and increased it throughout the year. And sometimes you're used to God only showing up in one capacity, but what he says is I'm not going to show up in one big big capacity. I'm going to show up in little capacities throughout the year. And if you would just acknowledge me and all of that, is that did that do something? Quatisha uh, said it's called perpetual harvest. Come on, somebody. Monica said y'all should tell Trump to just open the government back up, back up since he's going to build the wall anyway. Uh, regarding the IRS, the people in processing is limited. Says contact rep- contact representatives are limited. Well, come on and bless them. All right, child. Tanisha, it's another Tanisha said she slid it right into her savings account, and that you are better than us. Okay. Um, all right. All right. So that that helped us a little bit. Okay, let's move on to the Hail Mary situations that have been taking place over the last week. I want to give a very special Hail Mary to Yasmin James. Yasmin James is a McDonald's employee who was brutally attacked um, just on New Year's Eve by a gentleman who wanted straws. But let me tell you what Yasmin had that he was not prepared for, hands. And when she unleashed those hands, something shook down on the inside of him, and she really let him have it. Now, I was upset with her coworkers and all of those things, but let me tell you what Yasmin is doing. Yasmin has decided that they're going to rename the McMuffin after her. And um, the reason why they're going to do that is because she's going to sue McDonald's for the managers not having proper training. But let me tell you now, let me tell you where I do have a word is when those who should show up for you do not. God will empower you to show up for yourself because Yasmin, he thought he thought he was going to reach around that cabinet, reach around that counter and give Yasmin something to think about. He was wrong. Okay, he mm, Mm, he was wrong. Okay. So let me tell you something. Yasmin is going to get a Hail Mary because she let somebody know I'm not the one that you want to have it with today. And so um, I wish her, Yasmin, if you know someone who knows somebody who listened to this podcast, I want you to know that the delegation is supporting you. As a matter of fact, we want you to have boxing classes with us should the devil try and show up on us. She says, oh, Tanika says she gave him them McCann's. He was looking for a straw and he got them McCann's. Come on, somebody. She was ready. She said, who wants it? I was trying to keep this down on the inside, but wow, here it is all up in your throat, all up in your face. Um, All right. So we're going to give a Hail Mary to Yasmin. My next Hail Mary is going to be for sloating. You know, I'm in my office and my Wi-Fi is still, come on, somebody. She she got an office. Um, it's a gentleman who started an organization called Barbership, Barbershop Books. And Barbershop Books is an organization that has been founded, or a program rather, that has been founded in order to place books and barbershops as a way to encourage young black boys to read in their spare time. I love this story so much because it was inspired by his own personal experience. It says, One day I was getting a haircut and one of my students came to the barbershop and was just sitting there doing nothing. He was getting antsy. He was my student, so I knew his reading level. And all I kept thinking was he should be practicing his reading right now. 
After that, he decided to launch this program that is geared towards young boys, four through eight, and they accept book recommendations directly from the demographic that they serve. With these recommendations in mind, Irby purchases these books in bulk at a discounted rate and then places them in barbershops they serve around the country. There's currently 120 barbershops in 37 cities that are a part of this program. And I just thought that that was incredible. Alvin Irby, the former teacher who has founded Barbershop Books, is out here doing incredible things for young men coming after him. So I thought that was incredible and wanted to share that with you all. And Jamie says, that's dope. Twanta says, yes, story. Yes, great story about the barbershop. And Jaquita says, so admirable. Love it. I thought that was dope, too. So let me see. Those are my Hail Marys. That was our rescue segment. You know what time it is. It's time for us to give our fellow sisters some advice. I did something a little bit different this time and decided to post one of those like question forums on my Instagram page and ask people to send me in questions. And so I'm going to be uh, reading some of those questions that come in. And let me see, I screenshotted them. I'm pulling them up on my cellular device. The first question says, please don't say my name, but I would like tips for people struggling with depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. First things that I want to say to you is that if you are struggling with these thoughts, that there are so many helplines that are available to you. I should have, I'm going to pull one up actually right now. But one of the things that I wanted to say is that it is imperative that you ask for help. I appreciate your transparency and your honesty and sharing with me that you are having those thoughts. I'm going to make sure that I personally make sure that I reach out to give you some of the resources that have been helpful towards me and other people on our journey. But I think that one of the things that you have to do is call the suicide prevention line. That number is one 800 273 I also want to say that there are resources available for counseling. As a matter of fact, I'm going to DM you. And if you are ready to really pursue counseling and, and healing, I will sponsor Talkspace for you, which is a program that you can go on your cell phone device and they do video calls and text messages and you can get connected with a therapist immediately. And I will personally sponsor that for you so that you can get the help that you need. But I'm telling you, there is literally nothing wrong with therapy. Of course, there's prayer and you can get within a good church, but there's also the reality that a lot of times we need outside help, outside tools and resources. And we're not always equipped within the church to handle people's mental health. And so there are professionals who are able to help you understand what you can do. There's also a podcast that I've heard about called um, Therapy for Black Girls. And I think that that's a great place to start if you are a black girl or not a white girl. I think you could go on there either way. Bottom line is therapy, mental health. It's important. And I will do whatever I can to make sure that you connect, are connected with someone who needs you. And um, the reason why that person needs you is because that's what they have been called to do. They have a passion and a purpose to see people be freed and healed. And so imagine this. 
as much as you are battling with your depression, anxiety, there could be a therapist somewhere that is battling with their purpose because they don't feel like there's a need for them. And so you reaching out and saying, I need help is also an opportunity for someone to feel fulfilled in their own purpose. And it is in that mutual engagement that two people are able to become better. And so I just want you to help you. I just want you to help you make it to the other side. Daniela says, along with having those outside resources, one thing that helped me was throwing myself at the feet of the Lord in desperate pursuit of His presence. I learned how to use worship as a weapon and am a living testimony to His liberation. Most certainly, I will tell you what being in the presence of God does when you are struggling with depression, anxiety, or whatever. It sets a standard. There are moments where I've had like, you know, I've been sad, I've been frustrated, I've been depressed, and I've gotten in this of God. And what I felt in the presence was was such a stark contrast to what I was feeling outside of the presence that it helped me illuminate that there was something wrong with my pathology at that time. Getting in the presence of God will set a standard. Staying in the presence of God will help you to move toward that standard. Getting outside help and resources will help you to have practical tools that will target you towards a goal. But I, there's nothing like the presence to help you help you with that. Jamie says therapy is life-changing. Literally can walk out of each session feeling weight lifted off of you. Please don't give up, sis. Shelba says, hello everyone. I am Sheba. Oh, she trying to get she trying to get booked. Hey child, we trying to help folks. We she do hair though if y'all want to get your wig snatched. Um Candace says love therapy for black girls. And Ariel says, what is the name of the podcast again? That's it. Therapy for Black Girls. Jaquita says, God bless you, SJR, you the bomb. This is what sisterhood is all about. Yeah. It's, the other thing that I want you to know is that, like, you are not the only one. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts can be very isolating. It can make you believe that you are in it completely by yourself. And I think it is important for you to know that so many of us have had depression. We've had anxiety. We struggle from day to day. You are not in it by yourself, but it is what we choose to do with those moments that make the difference in our life. You can find Therapy for Black Girls on iTunes uh, I know iTunes for sure, the iTunes podcast app, but I'm not sure about the other places. But I'm sure if you come hit up the comments on Facebook Live, they'll tell you where else you can go. Jen says, therapy really was the best decision and best self-care tool I've given myself. My therapist will never get rid of me, and I tell her that often. I'll tell you, listen, uh, therapy is just as important if not more important than your physical health, because a lot of times what we feel mentally and emotionally ends up playing out in our physical health. The same way that we go get physical checkups, the same way that we end up um, taking a Motrin if we have a headache or laying down when we don't feel well, the same way we tend to our physical body when it alerts us that it is in some level of pain or trauma. We have a responsibility to do the same thing with our mental health. And a lot of times this is, I was explaining this to one of my friends when we were on break and I could tell that that friend was going to be struggling, right? And so I told that friend, um, you have to know that this life change that you're going through right now has to have an effect on your mental health. And um, the person was like, I'm fine, I'm okay, you know, I'm just struggling today. And I'm like, just because you know where okay is, just because you can see okay, doesn't mean that you can get to okay. And it doesn't mean that you can get there as easy as you can in the past. I'm trying to like say it the way I see it in my head. But just because you're doing okay or have, act or 
excuse me, just because you think that you're going to be okay doesn't mean that you are currently okay. And you have to know the difference between where you are and where you want to be. And anytime you are not where you want to be, then you have to take inventory about what's keeping you from there and what am I going to do to make sure that I overcome whatever that obstacle is, which means I may have to go to counseling, which means I may need to go to bed, which means my schedule may be too packed, or maybe it means I need to get back in the Word. I don't know what the obstacle is, but we say this, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to be okay, like that cures depression. It does nothing but stays where you want to go. But until you turn on the GPS of the Lord, come on somebody, okay, and say, God, I need help getting to where I want to be, and you can use anything, nothing is off limits for me to get there because I want to be where you are more than anything. That's when you'll begin to see the freedom and deliverance that you need to see. Okay, that was my first question. My next question is, how do you truly identify God's calling slash gifting on your life? I will share with you my personal experience, and I hope that other people will tell me about their experience as well. I will tell you that I discovered my calling somewhat on accident. I was doing what was natural to me and blogging, and from that, I started receiving a response well, even before the response, because response suggests that your calling has to be validated by people. I believe that our purpose, our calling on this earth is the thing that we do that makes us feel most connected to God. When I pick up that pen and start writing, there is no insecurity, no fear. I just flow in this thing that I, I've never flowed in before. When I um, am at school teaching and explaining something to the students in a way that only I can do and I see them getting it. There's no fear. There's no doubt. There's no insecurity. That thing that you do that your fear can't live in, that your insecurity can't live in, in that moment, I believe that that is connected to our purpose. When I'm preaching, like I have so much anxiety before I start preaching. I have so much fear before I start preaching just because I'm nervous and kind of shy and timid like throughout my day-to-day life. But when it is time for me to get on the pulpit and to open up my Bible, I am so in sync with God. Like there's no room for fear. There's no room for insecurity. And God is able to show up through me because that is the thing that I was called to do. And so I think you have to ask yourself, where are the areas in my life where God shows up without me conjuring him up into a room? When I start speaking to someone and I'm blessing them and I don't even mean to do it on purpose, when I'm smiling and connecting other people with people who understand who they are, That's when I feel the most like God on the earth, because at the end of the day, we are all here so that we can become a reflection of God on earth. I'm supposed to do something in my life on earth that allows heaven to touch earth. What is the thing that you do organically, naturally, that allows heaven to touch earth? And you have to realize that it doesn't have to make you rich. It doesn't have to make you famous. All it has to do is make you effective. I am the most effective at allowing God to show up on earth when I do X, Y, and Z. And let me tell you, like I 
what you guys, if you watch us on the live stream or on YouTube, you'll know, like if my husband's ever preaching or speaking and he's like, babe, do you want to say something? My initial reaction is no. But when it is time for me to say what I need to say, when I believe God has said something to me, that I am the first one to grab that microphone and say, child, this is what God is saying in that season. What I'm saying is like me speaking, which is part of the reason why most people know me, is not what is natural to me. So don't look for the thing that makes you comfortable. Don't look for the thing that makes you feel like more of yourself. Look for the thing that requires you to call on the name of God, like, God, I'm not going to be able to do this unless you show up, because that is where your purpose is always going to be, the thing that aligns you with God and aligns you with God so much that there's nothing that can stand in your way. hope that made sense. Catherine says, amen, no one has to co-sign your purpose, but God... Pastor says, I'm, I don't, I don't, I want to make sure. Daniela says, this is speaking to me. This is such a practical way to open our eyes to purpose. Catherine says, I know my purpose because I feel God moving. There is nothing that makes me happier than walking in my purpose. Lisa says, come on and preach sins. Jen says, working with kids was so natural, working with their parents and getting them to realize they can do better, the challenge and my calling. Yeah. So, um, that's another thing to mention. So the thing that you do now that makes you feel like you are in sync with God may not be the end of your purpose, but just the beginning. Because a lot of times we can become discontent because we have found something that feels like our purpose, but it's not exactly what we felt like God was telling us, or it's not exactly what we had in mind. It is so important to recognize that you have to start somewhere, despise not the day of small beginnings. I started off blogging. If I'm honest, I don't blog nearly as much as I used to, but I was not preaching at the time that I was blogging. But the blog is what watered the seed of my purpose. And I believe that Woman Evolve is ultimately my purpose. I believe that it is my calling on earth to represent to women what it means to be a modern woman of faith, to translate God into this culture in a way that is digestible and understandable. And he can use writing to do it. He can use speaking. He can use a podcast. He can use fashion. He can use whatever he desires to use in order for that calling to be manifest. But my ultimate calling is to represent something different for modern women of faith. I am the kind of voice that could have gotten through to me when I was a teenage girl listening to R. Kelly music. Okay. Uh, Nikia says, one of the things that I was taught was God will break you down for better. For sure. Sandina says, the blog was the catalyst. Indeed. And I still love writing. Most of the writing I do, I just share it like in my journal. I don't, I, sometimes I'd be like, man, I want to blog. But the way my schedule is set up, I don't get to do it the way that I want to. But it is... Uh, Writing is such a big part of who I am. If you go on my Instagram bio, it's like I have, um, you know, where they like, you can put like public figure or whatever. Mine says writer because that's who I am in my core. Like I just love words. Um, but God took the seed of writing and turned it into speaking. I still function with communication. It's just different than what I started with. So that's what I was saying. And let's see. One more question from the saints. Uh, Vanya says, what happens when you struggle with doubt and fear? 
Well, I can tell you what happens when you struggle with doubt and fear. You end up feeling stagnant and stifled and like your life isn't progressing. You second guess everyone and their motives and intentions. That's what happens when doubt and fear is evident in your life. What you have to do if you want to overcome doubt and fear is, first of all, you got to call it by name. When you have a thought, you have to say to your thoughts, you have to label those thoughts accurately. This thought is a doubt thought. This thought is a fear thought. This thought is not allowed real estate in my mind or in my journey. And so you have to say what is the opposite of that fear or or of that doubt. So if your doubt says that there's no way you're going to be able to make it happen, you have to say, that is fear speaking to me. I rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus. You have no space in my heart. I am who God says I am. And if it doesn't work for me the way that I want it to, it's still going to work for me the way that God intended it to. And if this door closes, it's going to lead me to the next one. You have to take this sting out of doubt and the sting out of fear. And sometimes you have to look a little bit crazy and you have to talk to yourself and say to yourself, nope, you're not allowed here. No, we don't have time for that. No, I don't agree. I do not agree with doubt. I do not agree with doubt. My actions don't agree with it. That's another thing. Make sure your actions don't confirm what your doubt is saying. Because if your actions begin to confirm what your doubt is saying, then your doubt has more power than your faith. But if you would dare to have a faith action that attacks that doubt thought or that fear thought, then you will begin to shrink it until it cannot live in your realm anymore. It's not uncommon. It's not unusual, but unusual, but you have to be willing to talk back to doubt and to talk back to fear. That's my advice for you. Jaquita says, I love that this thought is not allowed real estate in my mind. And don't be afraid to say that just as loud as that thought comes through in your head. Don't be afraid to say something back to that thought. Michelle says, this is a word. Shaka says, preach first lady. Come on, somebody. Alexis says, come on from the delegation. It sounds like the delegation is agreeing with these thoughts on doubt and fear. And I hope that you allow it to just take root and produce fruit in your life. Okay. So those are my questions and it's snack time in the sanctuary. All right, listen, so been praying. This is our first podcast, season three. Okay. Season three of the Woman Evolve podcast. It was basically this time last year that I came up with this crazy idea to have a podcast that covered pop culture and the news, but also had inspiration and advice. And it has been an incredible journey. We have like over 30,000 subscribers and we're a year in. I know some people have a lot more, but for this young I almost said young thug, but y'all don't like it when I call myself a thug. <laughs> but for this young killer, right? Oh, man. I said, oh, man. I didn't mean that. For this young one, for this young lady of God right here, that is a big accomplishment. So Lisa says, sis, says, sis we need consistent podcasts all 2019. Sis, I'm doing the podcast in seasons because... I'm sorry, I can't do one every week all year long, but I can commit to 10 episodes uh, every season. And this year we have three seasons. So that's like 30 weeks. That's more than half the year. But child, y'all want me to go on tour. Y'all want me to take care of my kids. Y'all want me to keep my waist snatched and my skin clear and my edges growing and get on this podcast every week. And I can't imagine it. Um, But last, if I may say in my defense before I get to this snack, 
Last season, my husband ended up having surgery. I ended up being evacuated. Remember, I tried to go do the podcast at the studio, and then the studio's Wi-Fi wasn't working, and your girl was crying on Facebook Live. So I'm going to be as consistent as I can be without driving myself crazy. And that's a word for somebody. Do what you can while you can, and when you can't, know when you can't, okay? Lisa says, do reruns with the podcast. Y'all know, okay, this is what I want to do. Can y'all help me? Because my brother helps me engineer the podcast. I want to do a best of podcast, and I want Mackenzie to host it, but I'm still negotiating with her agent. Okay, so listen. All right, here. Here's my snack, okay? My snack for our first podcast of 2019 is simple. Get yourself together. Sounds simple, but I'm saying before we go into this 2019, before we decide all the things that we are going to conquer and all the things that we are going to overcome, I want to challenge you to take a moment within yourself, within your being, within your spirit, and to reintroduce yourself to who you are now. As much as I am celebrating that this is the, you know, I'm going on two years now, this will be my second year of doing the podcast. I realized that I am not the same girl who started the podcast. When I started the podcast, I wasn't touring. I didn't have a conference. I thought to myself, I can do this podcast every week because basically all I was doing was taking the kids to school and coming home. And now that my life has shifted and changed, I've had to make adjustments to allow my life to fit who I am. Otherwise, we will try to fit to where our life is taking us and then we lose control and we end up lost. And this is one of the things that I'm actually talking about on Woman Evolve TV for our wellness challenge is sometimes we can allow life to set the rhythm of who we are instead of us setting the rhythm for life. And one of the things that I am challenging myself to do is to stay constant and present with who I am, what I need, what I can do, and what I can't do. Because I don't want to look up and have lost myself trying to keep up with everyone else. And so I want to challenge you, my woman evolved sisters, to do the same. Don't be afraid to take a moment and gather yourself. Get yourself together. Inhale and exhale. Look at your life through clear lenses. Do I need therapy? Do I need counseling? Is it time for me to get serious about my health? Do I need to cut my hair and and to fall in love with myself again? Who am I? And most importantly, do I like this person that I am? And if not, what can I do every day? It's the small changes that we make from day to day that allow us to have the greatest impact. What can I do today that helps me become closer to the vision of who I know I'm supposed to be? So, chow, get yourself together. We love you and we need you and we need you. We don't need who we want you to be. We need who you are. Allow us to adjust to your identity and adjust to your truth so that we can constantly fall in love with the journey of getting to know who you are. I'm not asking you to stay the same. I'm asking you to fall in love with the process that yields constant transformation that shocks us each and every day when we look in the mirror because we have become something more beautiful, stronger, and powerful than we ever thought imagined. And it's all because we took a minute to look within ourselves. That's my snack attack for our first podcast this season three. I'm doing a little shoulder shimmy. Ooh, 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 ooh. Guess what? Same time next week, baby. And I'll be here. But you know, we got to pray before. We- 
Uh, let me see. Let me check in with my Facebook Live audience. Brenda says, good wisdom. Ty Star says, yes, honey. Sandina says, self-care is back. Can I tell y'all? Let me tell y'all. I know a lot of people don't go and get massages. And so I'm going to say this. This is me sharing my life and my story. I got a massage for my 30th birthday in July. I have not had a massage since. Maybe that's not a big deal for some folks because, listen, it's just seven months, right? Let me tell you something. I went and got a massage last week. Let me, can I tell you something? Let me just, y'all know how I hate getting my nails done. And I hate getting my hair done. I do my hair myself. I do my nails myself. And I don't like going to them going to get a massage. What I realized, though, is that like all of these things that I thought was like me just making my own choices and I don't feel like it and I don't want to be bothered really robbed me from opportunities to spend time with myself. Because though I don't necessarily like going to sit down and get my nails done, what I do like is spending time with myself. And in my life, if I do not create opportunities for me to spend time with myself, whether it's because I'd rather be at home or I'd rather cook dinner, what I have found is that eventually I end up missing me. Like I miss Sarah. Like I miss just being alone in my thoughts and trailing down this road of what if and possibilities and laughing and doing absolutely nothing by myself. So let me tell you, I went and got a massage last week on Friday and I got off the massage table feeling amazing and I didn't even fall asleep I just sat there and I thought and I prayed and I meditated and I thought about recipes and ideas and creativity that I wanted to throw towards the channel and to the podcast and Woman Evolve and what I realized this is you know what has birthed this get yourself together snack is that sometimes in order to get yourself together you need to take a minute to yourself if that's driving in the car by yourself, if that's going to the grocery store with your headphones on because this is your me time and not because you're disconnected with people, that's one thing. But self-care, in the words of Sandina, self-care is bay. All right, so prayer. God, thank you so much for the Woman Evolve podcast and what it represents in this world and in this culture. Lord, child, listen, God, we talked about R. Kelly today. And at the end of the day, you know this story, you know what's true, you know what's false, you know the pain, you know the hurt, and you know the agony. And God, because we have a responsibility to not just be on the outside looking in, but to connect in any way possible, God, I speak healing to every person connected to this story. I speak restoration, God. When watching that documentary, I saw people with so much shame and so much pain in their hearts, God. I just ask that you would allow them to have a real encounter with you, the kind of encounter that confronts shame, that confronts pain, that confronts just wickedness, that confronts everything that is keeping them from becoming your representative on the earth. And God, I just ask right now that you would would just speak freedom and worth and value over everyone who has been affected, that they will no longer wake up haunted and taunted by the memories of what took place, but instead they would believe with fierce confidence that they have been equipped to help people who have walked in their footsteps to come out on the other side because they themselves are going to come out on the other side. God, only you can take all of this that looks so evil and turn it into good. If you could turn Saul into Paul, my God, I wonder what you could do with these people. And so God, I turn them over to you and I just ask that you would make us 
in our communities a safe haven where people can come to receive restoration, where they can come to receive love and healing and tools and wisdom and guidance so that we can all become better. If we've all gotten sick as a result of what we witnessed, then we can all become better by the pursuit of healing and wholeness. Let us be a part of that. And as we've been speaking and people have maybe been um, reminded of things that they've gotten, gone through, God, I ask too that you would just remind them that their best days are yet ahead of them and that you have a plan and a purpose, which is why they are still here. here. Please reveal that purpose. Please make it evident so that they no longer live their lives in shame and in wonder. And for all of us who need to take a minute to get ourselves together, Give us confirmation that we're on the right track. Help our community and our families to see that this is what we need in order to serve them the best way that we can. So allow us to be selfish for just a moment so that we can be selfless when we come out of our cocoons. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. See y'all next week.